If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. He's got it! Touchdown, Jack Doyle! And he's going to be brought down inside the 15, and it's going to go to DeForest Buckner. Huge hole! He's at the 30! He's going to go! 10-5! Touchdown, Jonathan Taylor! From the Power Home Solar Studio, let's get the podcast started. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Colts' official podcast presented by WinBet, proud sportsbook partner of your Indianapolis Colts. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet, and we're talking about teams right now. Yeah, yeah, we got a good one. We got a good one in this studio today. Joining us, voice of the Colts. Uh, a great guy, a friend to everybody in here. He does a hell of a job. I think he, you know he's moving up the old ladder as far as best voices, as far as covering teams in the NFL. Maytay Matt Taylor is here today, and also Lara Overton in studio, and of course from Colts.com, our senior writer, J.J. Stankovitz. Get ready, because we are going to hear... I... What was that? A lot of stank bombs today. <laughs> That's right. A lot of stank bombs. JJ's you know, I saw, coming. I saw, I saw Jeffrey this morning when we were getting our oh uh, our God. COVID tests yes, that we, we have to get every week. And Jeffrey goes, I got some sound effects that I'm gonna I'm gonna we're gonna roll with them. Bring Dude, the stank that, bombs. That sounded like when I pulled the like stopper on my sink and it starts to uh-huh. That's what pretty I good. It it's sort of bad, though. I like it, so it's good. But you know what? When I talk about bombs going off, let's get right to Matt Taylor because I'm going to start with everybody on this. We're going to be all over the place today. We're going high. We're going low. Up mountains and down in like valleys. He says we're going to be all over uh-huh. the place today as if that's any different for every <laughs> other point you're setting that up. But Maytay, I'm starting with you first. The very, and I mean the very first offensive play for those Houston Texans picked off by a guy who is playing all pro. We knew exactly what kind of day it was. I looked around at people and say, wow, this is going to be fun today. But it started with Kenny Moore. Guys, what did you think of the athletic play from number two, three to start that ball game? Are you are you asking me? Go ahead, free for all. Let it rip. By the way, by the way, the sound effects sounded like the anvil falling from the cliff on top of Wiley, Wiley Coyote. Coyote. That's exactly what I thought of. <laughs> right there. Hey, that sounded Mel- like the Houston Texans game. It did, boy. Ooh, yeah. did it ever? Man. Mel, Mel Blank would be proud of you, Jeffrey, for the uh, the Warner Brothers Looney Tunes. Yeah, wow. You pulled out well, here well, today, what's right? up, Doc? I don't do a Bugs Bunny, but... <laughs> Maytay, tell me about that. You had to call that first play an incredible one. Toe Tapper, Kenny Moore, who I think could be A, I a mean, great quarterback in this league, B, a great wide receiver in this league, and obviously a great cornerback. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing he can't do. Plus, he's unbelievable as a human being, right? I mean, today, uh, as we tape this, named uh, the, the Colts nominee for Walter Payton Man of the Year for all the countless things that he does with charitable work and community uh, involvement. I mean, he's just a, a top-notch human being, and if he doesn't make the Pro Bowl this year, I don't know what the heck's going on because, I mean, he's got four picks, seven passes defense, almost 80 tackles, and he never leaves the field. I know the, I know he's a nickel corner, but the fact that he, you know, he's played 98% of the, the defensive snaps this year for the Colts is unreal, and I think at times – He's the toughest defender the Colts have, which I think is really saying something when you're talking about Darius Leonard and uh, you know DeForest Buckner and Bobby O'Karake and so on and so forth. But can, can I drop I mean, in real weird. quick on that, Mate? Because I got a I got yeah. a stat. Since 2017, Kenny Moore is one of four players in the NFL to have 10 or more interceptions and 15 or more tackles for a loss. He is the only cornerback. With those numbers, he got 14 picks and 18 TFLs. So, like you said, he is a tough guy at the line of scrimmage, and he can cover too. Not many people can do that, and there it is. <laughs> Jesus. The first, the first tank bomb today. I love it. No, you're exactly right. I mean, he's he's as versatile as they come in the league, and and I think when the Colts get into a pinch, and, and thankfully they're not right now, but when they have been in the past. I'm okay with putting Kenny Moore on the outside and having somebody else come and play nickel because I think he's just as good on the outside. But that's that's a debate for a different time. But you're talking about Jeffrey that first play of the game. I mean, we're 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 just getting settled in, right? I mean, I'm still reading sponsors for the opening kickoff. Lara just got done doing her opening, uh, you know, bit on the sideline, uh, you know, her opening scene setter, if you will, down from the field. And then all of a sudden, Tyrod Taylor's rolling out, and I mean, it's like a library. I mean, it's quiet, and Kenny Moore picks off the pass and 
Like no one knows what what to think. I mean, is it an interception? Is it a did he stay in bounds? Nobody knows. Where are the officials? I mean, it was just incredibly silent, and the Colts set the tone from the get go on that hey, play. Mate, and it sort I, of was very indicative of how the game went. One of the most important questions that remains unanswered about that play is the celebration in the end zone. Lara Overton, what was that from Kenny Moore? Did the you, dance? The dance. What, what am I? I mean, I love the dance, but it's got to be called something because all his teammates were doing it. It was a little I, bit. I out think there. it's called the lightning in the bottle. Is what it's called. Are you serious? No, it's just that's Kenny's nickname, so that's what I'm coining oh, it because okay. I, I don't think that that was well choreographed. I think that was just I, Kenny I, going I, wild I, in the. I, I saw, I saw them doing a similar dance on, uh, I don't remember if it was Stolly's Instagram. Someone's Instagram caught okay. Kenny Moore doing that dance in the locker room, I think, uh, this week. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't know that there was any particular choreography to that. We'll ask Kenny, uh, when the players are back in the building next week, but one of the things to touch on, you know, what Matt was explaining there is I asked, Frank Reich, okay, we, we know all of the stats on Kenny Moore. We know that he's Mr. Lightning in a bottle. But Zaire Franklin told me a few weeks ago that he considers Kenny Moore the most physical guy on the field when he is out there as part of this defense. And I think that says a lot coming from that group of linebackers that you have with Zaire, Darius, Bobby, of course, like that group, to say that about their corner. And when I was asking Frank Reich about where this defense feels the impact of Kenny Moore the most, he explained that that compliment from Zaire comes from the fact that Kenny is able to put himself in such great position in multiple different facets within that defense. He's able to be so well utilized in all of the different capacities that he needs to be. So not only is he putting himself in great positions to make those plays, he's also well covering spots that create the opportunities for the rest of the defense when they're making great plays as well when you see you know Darius you know with the force fumbles and the stuff that he's able to do it's likely because you know Kenny has someone else covered he's doing his job well to create the impact for everyone else on that defense. I, I want to talk a little bit about Kenny Moore being the Walter Payton man of the year nominee for the Colts too because th- this is something that it, he's he is such a good represent rep- representative of the Indianapolis Colts in <clears throat> The sense that everything he does in the community is so genuine. And when, Larry, you and I talked with, you know, Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, Zaire Franklin uh, about this, and they all use that word genuine and like Kenny doesn't do authentic. Authentic. He doesn't do any of this for the cameras. He doesn't do it because he wants the recognition. He does it because he genuinely wants to help people. And his relationship with the Garvey family, we all know the Mighty Mason story. Um, it, it's just so incredible. And I was thinking about it this morning. When the you know we we announced that Kenny's our Walter Payton Man of the Year, and I, I got to know Jarrett Payton pretty well when I was in Chicago. Nice. And I, I just think about how much this award still means to the Payton family, and how how honored they are every year to give this award to someone who makes such an impact in the community. I can think of no one better to get this award than Kenny Moore the Second. I mean, to to carry on the legacy of being great on the field great off the field that was set by Walter Payton. I really can think of no one better than Kenny Moore II. Absolutely. Maytay, tough question time because we are on that bye week right now, and I, I, I open it up for the room. You can have one defensive player of the year. Who is it? Is it has to be Darius Leonard, or, or is it possibly somebody else? With the way that this defense is humming, obviously coming off a shutout, who is it? Defensive player of the year. For the Colts? Just the Colts? Yes, sir. Um... Yeah, I mean it's it's hard. I mean, there's so many good guys like we talked about. I mean, there's a good, there's a lot of nominees. Well, we got to take them out and see what the production is and put them back in. That's how we're going to find this right. out. And it's got to be that Darius Leonard in my eyes, guys. I open it up to everyone. I, I would, yeah. I, I would. If I had if I had to pick yeah. somebody, I would go with Darius Leonard just because of what he means for um, the emotional, you know, the emotional impact that he has, the juice that he brings. I mean, it just seems like it's a different. When he's been out in the past, and he hasn't been out this year, but in the past when he's been out, it just seems like they play a little bit quicker when he's in the ball game, right? I mean, there, there's just an emotional element to Darius Leonard and his presence on the field. And I know he's not playing, you know, at 100% this year with the ankle. And I think that's where the bye week this week can really help him. And you know, him and Buckner and Quentin Nelson on the on the offensive side. But I think if you don't have to, to me, most valuable player is if you don't have him on your team or your unit, where would you be? And I just don't think this 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 defense would be nearly as 
productive, and they wouldn't be putting up the numbers from a takeaway standpoint without Darius Leonard and his instinctual ability to punch the ball out. I mean, whenever there's a play to be made in clutch and crunch and clutch time, there's Darius Leonard. So to me, if you don't have him, this would be a completely different defense. That being said, I think you can say the same thing without DeForest Buckner. Right. That's yep. where I was going yep. to He's doing things that don't show up in the box score by eating up double teams and putting pressure up front, you know, guys like he and Grover Stewart. So it's it's not as, I think, known or commonly known among the fan base because they're not watching defensive tackle every single play. Um, and that's not a shot at anybody. It's just it's not a glory position like linebacker when you're getting tackles and strips and, and creating fumbles and stuff like that. So I think it's it's my first poll would be Darius Leonard, but then just DeForest Buckner for all the little things that he does behind the scenes, if you will, that don't that aren't going to show up in a box score for fans. To Lara, read. is Darius Leonard Darius Leonard without DeForest Buckner in there? Well, I think so because Darius Leonard was Darius Leonard before DeForest Buckner <laughs> got true. here. So I mean, I mean that's not to disqualify anything about but I mean Darius has been doing this since his rookie year he was a defensive rookie of the year before DeForest Buckner was part of this defensive line now is Darius going to have more consistent uh, impact and greater longevity and all of those things yes because of DeForest Buckner but um, you know I think that those two are a very good complement to each other and then I think you can you know talk about those two in terms of your you know defensive player of the year within this roster but going in a different direction in terms of my like rising star of the defense like I don't want to say like most improved yeah. because that kind of lends itself to saying like he had a down year previously but someone to me who has really emerged in this defense this year with the you know we, we talked about a lot going into the season losing Danico Autry, losing Justin Houston. I have been so impressed with Aquadine Muhammad this uh-huh. season, and he is he is my right defensive rising star within especially like that very crowded defensive line room of guys who deserve a heck of a lot of credit, like DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart and you know Quiddy is coming on and all those things. But I mean he had two two, ta- two sacks. Right. How many for the year, game. JJ? Uh, he's at five uh, he's on the year. Nice. Five on the year. Nice. Which is, I like that you go to JJ for that. As if I don't have my stuff together over here. I got my notes over oh, here. And he's gosh, like JJ. Shoot. How many is that? Yeah, it's a yeah, career high five. Now you've got it. Now you've got it. I do four not want games, to piss her off. Four games to go. And one thing that I have learned a lot about in watching Alquadine Muhammad. And we heard the guys talk about his motor that he brings in practice. And what I saw in his second sack of the day against Houston. Now, a lot of that pressure up front was created by Kamoko Ture. So some of the credit on that sack really a little bit goes to Kamoko for making that even possible. But it was his second effort in pursuit of Tyrod Taylor that allowed that to happen. And man, we have seen his speed. We have seen those flashes from Alquadine Muhammad. I am really excited about what he brings in particular for this stretch of games going forward when you are going to have to get consistent quarterback pressure going up against the guys who you have in this final four-game stretch the regular season. Something I always think about here, just to, to kind of tie it back in, is Matt Eberflus always says to, for his defense to work, you need three players playing at a high level. The three technique, DeForest Buckner, the wheel linebacker, Darius Leonard, and your slot corner, Kenny Moore II. You got all three of those guys playing at a high level, especially as things have kind of gone on during this season, you could pick any one of those guys as your defensive MVP for this team. And the you defense would be right. changes if they're not in the exactly. lineup. Exactly. You would be right. Another guy I want to highlight, though, is a rising star. How about Rock Yassin? Rock has, Rock has had a really solid year. It, it, you know, he's not getting a ton of interceptions or whatever, but as a cover corner who's not committing penalties, he's doing a solid job. I think you could throw Isaiah Rogers in there as well Love as Isaiah someone Rogers. who is coming on strong this year too. That gives you a lot of confidence, not only going forward this season, but into 2022 with the way those two guys are playing this season. Okay. I was okay. Really quickly. JJ and I were just shooting the, you know, stuff yeah, at his uh-huh. desk ah! yesterday. And this guy, she just almost caught me there. Uh, she cusses like a sailor. I folks. Did, it's true. <laughs> so we were just chatting and I was like, man, Take a look back, you know, that 2020 draft class, we had, a, of course, a lot of conversations early on about, you know, JT and Pitt and, you know, all of those, you know, the much-deserved credit those guys get. But then looking at the rest of that, like Isaiah Rogers coming through and being, you know, consistent in year two, Julian Blackman is going to be a guy, you know, this injury, of course, devastating for this season. But, you know, looking around at some of those later picks that you kind of hit on in 2020, 
I th- that's I that class to me is going to really I think pay dividends for you as you kind of look to who the growth and the development of those guys within this system. That's Larry Overton. JJ Stankovitz is here, and of course the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. I'd love to open this up and get your your, your take on this one. We saw what happened versus Tampa Bay. Okay, and we saw what Bruce Arians said after Tampa Bay. Hey, we're the best running defense in the league. Go ahead. We'll put our guys up against yours, and we'll shut you down. So, Maytay, I'm going to start with you. The Texans have game film on the Bucks as well as the Colts, okay? And here's how you beat them. You stack the box however you did it. You have five. You bring a sink guy down, whatever they're talking about. And, and we ran roughshod. On those tight on those Texans this year, how can it change from one week to the next? And why isn't a team, in your opinion, going back to what worked against a high volume rushing team led by Jonathan Taylor? Wait, are you equating the Houston Texans to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I, I'm not, not even, not even, not even close, and not even, no, no, not even close. I'm not, but I'm just saying, scheme wise, bodies wise, you know, putting people in position to. I want to get some intake on that because we saw Jonathan Taylor with a boatload of carries this game. We saw that it worked, and I said it before on the pregame show, guys. I love running the football when we get to the cold weather. We could be on the road as a wild card team playing in that, you know, that sleet and that rain that we saw, you know, in Buffalo mm-hmm. not too many nights ago. So I just want you to take on that. Well, I mean, you know, it, it was it was interesting to see how the Texans started the game because you're right. They were loading the box and they were blitzing and the Colts were running into heavy fronts, eight man boxes, just like they did in the first quarter against Tampa Bay. The difference is, I mean, there's a big difference between the scheme and the X's and O's and the Jimmys and the Joes, right? I mean, that's the difference right there. Tampa Bay's got the Jimmys and the Texans got the Joes or the Joe Blows, right? I mean, they don't have guys like Vita Vea or William Golston. I mean, they have, uh, I mean, no disrespect to Roy, uh, excuse me, Roy Lopez, but I mean, he's not William Golston or Vita Vea, okay? I mean, or Ndamukong Sue. Really, really interesting guys um, that are trying to duplicate what they did the week before against Tampa Bay. And, you know, it's it's funny because the fan base is saying, see, the Colts are cramming the ball into eight-man boxes one week where they were shy about doing that the uh, the week before. And, you know, you lost one game and you won the, the week after. What's the deal? And, you know, the Colts, again, I know the Texans were 31st in stopping the run, but they weren't having much success running the ball early in that game. Now, they, they were having a reasonable amount of success just because their offensive line got the push and Jonathan Taylor's Jonathan Taylor. But had to, again, going back to the, the discussion we had last week, had the Colts ran the ball 25 times with Jonathan Taylor against Tampa Bay, they'd probably lose that game by 20, 25 points because it just wasn't going to work. And the Colts were able to kind of stick with the run against Houston and be patient with that because, quite frankly, Houston's offense is not very good. And the Colts' defense afforded the Colts the opportunity to stay patient with the run. And eventually, as Frank Reich said on Monday and on Sunday after the game, you know, the offense just over time throughout the course of that game wore them down and were able to kind of get the chunk yards um, on, in, you know, with the ground game. So um, it's one of those things where, you know, the fan base is always going to nitpick at stuff. I mean, every fan base does this. I understand, like, some, you know, you win the game, but to some you don't win the game by enough or you don't do it flashy enough. I get it. I totally understand where people are coming from. But at the end of the day, going back to the, the talk we had last week, you know, the, the the Buffalo Bills were number three the week before and the Colts ran all over them and then they came back and played the number one rushing defense. I'm just telling you, there was a big difference between number three and number one. I mean, look what the Patriots did last night against that rushing defense by Buffalo. I mean, they ran what well, they threw the ball three times and, and still won the ball game, right? So you just weren't going to be able to run the ball against Tampa Bay like you wanted to, and you weren't going to be able to stay patient enough with it to to win that game two weeks ago like you did on Sunday against the Houston Texans. Um, so I think it's going to be fascinating going forward to see just how much of a copycat league it is. You know, right? What's Bill Belichick going to do? You know, a week from this upcoming Saturday. Yeah, we got to get into that. Box. We got to get He's into going, that, guys. We have to. Take he t- he away. takes away their number be. one, uh, you know, the number one offensive weapon for an opponent. He'll take him away. So I'm going to present that question after Maytay's done. Is what are we looking like when New England comes in here? Go ahead, Maytay. It, it's it's going to be take away 28 and take away number 11, and then make you play left-handed. So who can step up? It's got to be everybody else. It's got to be Pascal. And I think honestly, guys, the guy that has the ability to kind of compensate for the game plan that the Colts are going to see inevitably from the Patriots is T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, T.Y. Hilton can go back to being the guy. 
because I think obviously Gilmore and Jackson they're going to be focused on number eleven. Gil- Gilmore, Gilmore's uh, say Gilmore's in Carolina. Got you. There you go. I meant to say Jackson first anyways. But at any rate, I mean, it's one of those things where let's go T.Y. Hilton, and I think it's everybody else. Zach Paschal, Kylan Granson, you know, who's slowly but surely um, coming on here a little bit more of a focal point in the offense. Um, obviously, they're going to have to take the game. In yeah, the I was going to say Hines. Hines. I was going to say Naheem Hines here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. So, you know, no 28, no number 11. That's going to be the game plan from the Patriots. One of the things, actually two of the things I should say that I noticed too is in that game against Houston, we didn't even really mention the fact, and I mean this in a good way, that they didn't have Ryan Kelly because he was in COVID protocol because Danny Pinter played incredibly well. And this goes back to our conversation about the 2020 draft class Uh and some of those guys you were able to get late. I, I think that Danny Pinter deserves a heck of a lot of credit for what he did stepping in for a Pro Bowl center in Ryan Kelly, having no time during the week because Ryan Kelly's positive test came back on Saturday. It's not like you had a whole week where Danny was able to work his way in with Carson. So I would, I just, Danny Pinter to me gets a game ball. Well, for the way he stepped up in that. And then the other thing, and then I want J.J. to weigh in. Um, excuse me, Quentin Nelson registered nearly 15 oh miles per hour. Oh, that was amazing. 14.8 14. Oh miles per hour. I was losing my <laughs> mind. That was fun. He was, beating, he was beating DBs down the field. This massive human was just trucking was awesome. people over. 14.8 you know? <laughs> miles per hour. And you guys, he had beautiful form. You I mean, did. the oh, knee man. drive was elite. I was like, uh, we. I, Lara's ready to put him in the 4 by 100 relay. I, I am. I don't even. I mean, if there were a big man four by one, I think that uh, Grover Stewart's leading me off, and Quentin Nelson is my anchor. Yeah. Like, really? Oh, oh my god! That's yes. what we got to do. That's what we got to do. We got to figure out who the, the big man four by one hundred relay is going to be. Start it up, man. Who's going to be on? All right. I want. I just want to talk about talking about Danny Pinter. The Colts this year on their offensive line have not had. The kind of continuity that what was it 2018, 2019, where like no one missed a game. Right. That's really rare. Every season, you're going to have guys go down on your offensive line. And Matt Pryor, really good fill-in. Mm-hmm. Danny Pinter now, really good fill-in. Chris Reed, really good fill-in. This is a testament to the Colts' front office for finding these guys, for drafting Danny Pinter, for trading for Matt Pryor, for signing Chris Reed. It is a testament to the players, and it is a testament to Chris Strasser and Kevin Mawai for getting those guys ready because that is hard to do. When you just said, Lara... We barely noticed Danny Pinter against the Texans. When you go back and you watch it, you notice him because he played well. But during the game, you're not thinking, man, Pinter's getting beat on this play. That is so impressive. Teams, look, look at the Baltimore Ravens. They've had a bunch of injuries on their yeah. offensive line. It's tough to sustain that. <clears throat> what the, the Colts are doing with their offensive line, where you have three guys <laughs> filling in and filling in at a high level, especially for last year with what happened to the Colts offensive line toward the end of the year. Major credit to this entire organization for legitimately when play, when people say next man up you're always kind of like all right, well, right here we go the Colts have d- actually done it with next man up at three different positions on their offensive line that is incredibly impressive in my opinion the most underrated offseason move was the addition of Kevin Mawai in that offensive line room. In my I opinion, would actually, I would say Chris Reed. In my in my well, I'm just kind of but, saying like like yeah. uh, like you know kind of right. as a coaching right. offseason addition because of what I have heard guys say about what Mawai has added to their game. It is incredible well, to listen it's to. It's also pretty easy to draw a straight line from hiring a Hall of Fame center to Danny Pinter stepping in on about the 24 hours notice and having a really good game. That is a that is a straight line. Right there, between Kevin Mawai and Danny Pinter having a good game. Chirp, chirp, Danny Pinter. How about that? Yeah, what an athlete right there. Maytame, voice of the Colts is here. J.J. Stankovitz, Colts.com senior writer. And, of course, our, our all everything is back. <laughs> and she is salty, and I love it. And I haven't been cussed out. Oh, I, I was cussed out earlier before the show. i sorry about that. There was one. but I From get a, me? Yeah, I get a couple a day from you, and, I, and they're well-earned. I mean, I mean, you know, she usually— It wasn't even like 10 a.m. I usually try to save those for, a little, for like, after lunch. Guys, i got to ask this now. Uh, with this four-game stretch, Maytame, vital to win all four. I know it's a— Silly question. We'll say what you will, but talking with but you know talking with Buffalo losing that one in the wild card mix and New England running away with the you know in that division. 
where are we on this thing? Is there wiggle room from here on out, guys? And I know we're depending on other teams, but to win out, you're going to solidify it, okay? One loss, what does that mean? JJ, I start with you. Look, if you win out, you might win the division, first and foremost. Woo. So that that is where the, the Colts stand. They want to win out because, look, they need help, but if they win out and the, and the uh, Titans go 2-3 and three down the stretch with games against the Jaguars, Steelers, 49ers, Dolphins, and Texans, Mm. Colts win the division. So you want to win out. The Colts do have some wiggle room, though, because they they have the they have a very good record in the AFC. And it's kind of like we were talking about before the Buffalo-Tampa stretch, where if gun to your head, you're told no matter what, you're going one and one in that stretch, you'd rather beat Buffalo and lose to Tampa. So same thing in this stretch. You'd rather beat New England and lose to Arizona mm-hmm. if you have to go one and one because that helps your AFC record, which is a big tiebreaker when it comes mm-hmm. to teams like the Bills and the Bengals and the Chargers who are going to be, those are the teams the Colts are competing with right now for a playoff spot, are those three teams. The rest of the, the AFC is beneath the Colts, so, and I guess the Steelers. Um, so you want to make sure that you have the best AFC record possible. I, I think there is a plausible scenario in which the Colts go 2-2 two and two and still make the playoffs. It is not likely. Ugh. It is plausible. Just you don't, don't like you the don't, sound of that. You don't Boy, want to think about it. It's a lot of sweating you going on. You don't want to think about it. But, look, I mean, New England and Arizona <laughs> might be the two best teams in the NFL this season. Throw Tampa mm-hmm. in there. you got probably your top three. New England, Arizona, Tampa are your top three. And the Colts are playing all three of them in the span of, what, uh, four four games? Right. So you, you zoom out a little bit. If you go one and two against those three teams – you're in a really good place. That also proves you are one of the best probably five or six teams in the NFL. I'm looking at this playoff picture right here, of course. So New England currently first in the AFC at 9-4. and four. Then it's Tennessee, who is struggling with injuries, and they are on a bit of a slide. Obviously, they're, they're still a team that can find ways to get it done. But just behind them, we do not know who the Baltimore Ravens are. I like, think, I think we That know. is probably one of, to me, the biggest Jekyll and Hyde teams that I, you have. I'm going to be honest, Lara, I think we know. I, I, they're, they're probably going to win that division, but they are, they are ravaged by injuries. And at some point, it's it's going to catch up with you, and it's caught up with them. And then Marlon you have Humphrey's out. Yeah, yeah. Then you have Kansas City at eight and four, the Chargers, the Bengals, the Bills, the Steelers, and then you get to Indianapolis. And I don't, I don't really trust the Chargers or the Bengals at this point because of you know how they have been so inconsistent at certain points in games. I think that this is a division, or this not a division, but this playoff scenario is going to get very muddy. Is going to have a lot of uh, of movement in the next two to three weeks here's why here's why that game against new england is so important for the colts to win the Bengals have a five and three record in the conference the chargers have a five and three record in the conference the colts don't play either of those teams that would then become the tiebreaker i believe would be the Mm -hmm. conference record the colts are six and three in the afc so if you're able to beat new england you probably are you're not guaranteeing it because you still have to beat the raiders and jaguars but you are you are in the driver's seat to have the tiebreaker then over the Bengals, the Chargers, and then the Bills by virtue of beating the Bills. Right. You'd have the tiebreaker over all those three teams. Mate. Even outside of all of the, the that, outside of that, it matters to beat the Patriots because you've got to prove that you can consistently yep. sure beat her. good teams. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure you her. beat the Bills, and that is great. But you also have these situations, and Frank Reich has been very candid about games in which we've had double-digit leads that have evaporated. You know, you go back to Baltimore, you go back to the Tennessee Titans at Lucas Oil Stadium, the Tampa Bay game at Lucas Oil Stadium, home games, home games in which you have built those leads and not been able to sustain them. So to me, yes, all of the playoffs and this and that and who beats who and where you are, yes, that matters. But to me, the biggest reason this game matters is you have got to prove that you are a contender who can beat damn good football teams and in December. And do it at home. I totally agree. Yep. Mate, you got the Patriots coming up. You got the Cardinals coming up. You got the Raiders coming up. You got Jacksonville coming up. What say you on this team? JJ put it out there hey two and two could find a backdoor way into the playoffs three and one you're looking better and obviously running the table but we are facing you know a healthy kyler murray coming up obviously car is car your guy over there mate we know what this you know what young mac is doing in new england and the running game we saw it last night in the money what say you on this last four game stretch yeah, I think you need to get to ten and seven. I think you at least need to get to ten and seven. I think ten and seven gets you in. And something that JJ said that I really agree with. I don't have any faith in the Titans. And actually, after that game on Sunday in Houston, 
when the Colts, I mean, the Colts won 31 to nothing, and it looks pretty. You get the goose egg and 31 points, and you've been over 30 points in seven of the last eight games and all of that. But, I mean, that game should have been 55 to nothing or mm-hmm. 63 to nothing. I mean, it, it could have been whatever the Colts wanted the score to be. I have no idea how two weeks ago that Houston team that we saw two days ago beat the Titans. I have no idea. Did, and that tells, in yep. Nashville! Nine point win. Right. That tells me all I really need to know about the Titans. I don't have any confidence in them down the stretch, to be honest with you. And it's funny, we've been saying this all season long. It's like, when is this slide going to happen for Tennessee in the middle portion of the season? They just kept winning playoff game after playoff game after playoff game in terms of teams that made the postseason last year. And their resume was so impressive. And now we're starting to see them come back to reality a little bit, obviously with the injury bug and no Derrick Henry. I just don't have any faith in Tennessee, and I think J.J.'s right. If the Colts go 3-1, and one, I think there's an outside chance. Obviously, 4-0 and is better, but I, th- I still think there's an outside chance the Colts can make it interesting in the AFC South. Mm-hmm. But there's so much parity in this conference. That's why I think you need to at least get to 10-7 and seven for a wild-card spot because Cincinnati is so <laughs> up and down. Pittsburgh is so up and down. You never know what you're going to get from Cleveland. I mean, it's like... The AFC is like Forrest Gump, man, in a box of chocolates. Like, week to week, you have no idea what to I expect. I just watched because, that movie. Aww. I did. I just that watched it. Right? Yeah. I mean, like, one week, one week, the Denver Broncos look like they should be the top seed in the conference. Right. And then the next week, they're, you know, they got a potential this week to lose to the Lions and so on and so forth. This is, this is, this is what makes it fun, though. I mean, this is why we're fans. This is why the NFL is the best thing going. It's the best reality TV yes, sir. that you can watch. Because, I mean, this is the first time in 19 years that every team in the AFC has at least four losses through week number 13. I mean, all the division winners as of right now or leaders have at least four losses. I think there's 13 teams in the conference that have at least six wins. And this is sort of right on par with what we saw last year in the playoffs, right? I mean, the seven teams that made the postseason last year in the AFC all had 11 wins. So there's not a lot of layups in this conference, and I just don't trust any of the teams that the Colts are competing with, even the Raiders, right? The Raiders lost a a really bad game to the Washington football team on Sunday. I just don't trust any of these teams to sort of just disappear and fall off a cliff. Like one week they might look good, another week they might look bad, but there's still four games left, and I think all these teams are going to be Jekyll and Hyde the rest of the way. That's why if the Colts can get on a roll – they don't have to worry about any of this junk and analytics and all this stuff. They can just control their own destiny. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You control their own fate here. Uh, you just, you know, oh, it's junk and analytics. I was about to make one point about analytics here. So DVOA, a stat that the Colts like, that we like, um, that I like on Football Outsiders, I, to me it's the truest way to tell how good a team actually is. The Indianapolis Colts are eighth in DVOA. The Tennessee Titans are 22nd. The Tennessee Titans are closer in DVOA to the Jacksonville Jaguars and Houston Texans than they are to the Indianapolis Colts. Do you know that there's Bob It's in a, at a truck stop right now who's listening to his pod who's trying to figure out what DVOA yeah, I'm gonna, is? I'm going to tell Bob at the truck stop that <laughs> that this is telling, you, telling me and telling us that the Tennessee Titans are closer <clears throat> to being the Jaguars and Texans than they are the Indianapolis Colts. Because what does DVO. DVOA actually stand for? <laughs> Thank you, Lara. Uh, like, I mean, this is like the... the Defense-adjusted value over average. Okay. I'm a, bi- I'm a big advanced stats guy. That's yeah. who I am. That's what I'm bringing to this podcast. This is I'm the telling base, you. It's a baseball angle of, Listen, of I, analytics. I read Moneyball when I was about 14, and it changed my life. Oh, my God. I read the first four pages, yeah. and I went to sleep. Well, <laughs> we're bringing different voices watch, to the podcast, I can't watch the Lara. movie, Moneyball. Different see, voices to the you, podcast. You can't even watch a movie. No, no, no. I, no even Brad Pitt couldn't hold my attention. JJ, I hear what you're saying. Is that worthy of a stank bomb, I think? because you're basically That's a stank bomb. Yeah, because I think you're putting Tennessee and and Texans right in you know the same sort of category. Which Tell me I what love. Department of Motor Vehicles is over there. DV, what is it? <laughs> listen, listen. It's something. Frank Reich has cited this in a press. Conference I know he has. Show, so. I know. I can't stand waiting in line at the DVOA. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that is Matt Taylor, Lara Overton, JJ Stankovic. Can I do here. this online? Is there a DVOA website where <laughs> there I can get my license? There okay. is. Now I want. Now this. Gosh is a, darn. This is the one I wanted to break open and. I mean, break open is this Colts offense led by Carson Wentz. A lot of talk amongst the uh, 
lot of talks amongst the experts and the uh, the analyzers out there about people is, who care about DVOA. Is Carson Wentz <laughs> the guy? Is yes. he coming back? Is he? Does he get seventy percent of the snaps to give up a yes. second round versus the first round? No. Is it? We've seen what he's done in the past few weeks. It started, hey, a couple of speed bumps. We had a little COVID thing there. We had the ankle thing there, trying to find his rhythm, rhythm, losing a couple ones at home. But now we're into the third, fourth quarter of this season. Okay. And I start with whoever wants this. Carson Wentz in this offense. Go ahead. All right. His, his rating against the Texans, 107.8. He's now registered seven games with a passer rating above 100, <laughs> which is tied for second in the NFL. Everybody just needs to take a seat and take calm a breath. down. Yeah. Carson Wentz is doing exactly what Frank Reich wants him to do. He's only going to get better, too. Like, this is only going to get better. Car- Carson Wentz, mark my words, Carson Wentz is going to win the Colts a game before the end of the season. Nice. Need it. He's going he's gonna to do that. It's come very close a couple of times for reasons that were not Carson Wentz's fault, like against Baltimore and against the, the Buccaneers. It's come close. It's going to happen before the end of this season. JJ, you came up with it before the show. You had a good argument here. Now, maybe not so much an argument with statistics and possibly DVOA uh, backing no, you up. No DVOA but here. This, this offense, is... go fill in the blank, sir. This offense has been the best offense in the NFL since week four. They have had a double-digit lead in every game since week three. Is that right? Something uh, like that. So, the, is that the right, Mate? Mate? Yeah. I heard that stat. Yeah. Since, so the last time they haven't had a double digit lead in a game was at Nashville in week three, yep. right? Whoa. The yep. Colts Correct. the Colts have the most points scored in the NFL since week four with three hundred and fifteen. That is uh let me do my math, nineteen points more than the than the New England Patriots in that same span. They're fourth in yards per play since week four. You've got Jonathan Taylor running all over everyone, setting records like setting like it's like a, a record every week. Jonathan Taylor is setting. You've got Carson Wentz playing within himself, playing within this offense. He isn't turning the ball over. The Colts since week four are tied for the fifth lowest number of interceptions of any team in the NFL, and yet since week four they have the fifth most deep passes of twenty or more yards. And I'm also gonna say let's let's point this out as well. Like of course, like okay, when you're talking about just the receiving game, he's had, you know, Michael Pittman over the course of, of the season and then you have, you know, Naheem Hines in that position as well. But, you know, the guys who you thought were going to be primary targets, Paris Campbell has missed nearly the entire year. T.Y. Hilton missed significant period of time early. So Carson has done a lot of this without the people surrounding him as options right. within the offense as well because of the limited time that you have seen from guys who you consider to be high-profile targets for number two in guys like you know Paris Campbell and, and T.Y. who have missed significant time. So I agree yeah. that T.Y. is going to be big in this by, final by quarter the way, of the, the season. The, the Colts have scored, real quick, the Colts have scored 30 or more points in seven games this oh. year. First time they've done that since 2009. Nice. I know, I know who's... 2009 was a good year. Yeah, you know who's Great. quarterbacking the team. I then. do, I do. And I know, I know this has been talked about. I know I've said this before, and I'm kind of beating a dead horse. But, again, if you look at what happened to the Colts in training camp and the drama in terms of the COVID situation and the injuries and all the guys that missed significant time, I mean, significant players missing significant time at Westfield at Graham Park, it's almost as if the, the first month of the season, or at least the first three games up until week four in Miami, that was training camp 2.0. Yep. I mean, that was time on task because no Nelson, no quarterback. I mean, Darius Leonard missed a, a considerable Braden amount of time. Braden Smith, no Ryan, Ryan Kelly. Kelly. Yep. Yeah. Right? I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. I mean, just the amount of injuries that team sustained – in the first two months of the season before Eric really the Fisher. season even started. You didn't have Eric, Eric Fisher. Eric Fisher didn't do any. Yeah, right. right. So it's it's really – it's this team right now is where they wanted to be in week three when Carson Wentz was hobbled on two bad ankles in a monster game on the road against Tennessee. If you win one of those games against the Titans, you know, we're talking about the Colts solidly probably in the playoffs and maybe winning the division. Who knows? I mean, you can't play the coulda, woulda, shoulda game. But – you know, this is something that Frank Reich actually talked about last night on Colts Roundtable Live. A fan asked him a question. Look at that, you know, plug. JJ. You, yeah, you talked about. I mean, the, the Colts being over thirty points in seven of the last eight games, and they're humming right now. And a fan asked him, "Is this the best offense you've been a part of since you joined the Colts?" Oh yeah, I liked and, this and Frank, question. Frank Frank answered the question, you know, very politically, and you know, he didn't diminish anything they've done in the past. 
But one of the things that he brought up, and it was a really, really good point, the Colts in the first month and a half of the season, they were not good inside the red zone. Yep, They were not good in the red area at all, scoring touchdowns. Um, they were not good in goal-to-go situations either. And so if you think about where they are now, you know, I think they have a top-five offense in terms of scoring and rushing and passing. Think about how, much, how many more points they'd have. Think about how many more games they maybe would have won, right? They maybe beat Baltimore. They maybe beat Tennessee if they get one more red zone conversion touchdown. And this is a really good red zone team right now, but they weren't the first five, six games of the season. They're sort of middle of the pack because of that early stretch weighing them down. But right now, inside the 20-yard line, the Colts are really creative, and they're executing at a very high level. I want I, I like to throw fun into this thing, and I don't know why. What but, is going on with your microphone I don't know. It today. keeps going in and out. We're going to have to talk to Casey Valier at the end of this show and figure out what's going on. we got Casey's Cause coming up, too. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm just naming the segment Casey's Cause coming up. Um uh, yeah, that was a that was a bit of a. I, I like to have fun. Is my point, Larry? You and I did this last year. JJ, you were in Chicago, but it is uh, like midseason awards. I call them. We're not going to go through the whole bank. Yeah. Maytay, you were there with us, but I've got to go around the room here because these are fun. Not putting anybody over anybody because each week you could name anybody. But I like the assistant coach. Daggummit, the assistant coach of the year award. Ooh. Okay, of the year. And I know that's tough, and there's four games left oh, us up right I, now. I, and I got one. Okay, it's, hold on, don't hold even, on. Yeah. Assistant coach, Frank Reich, out of the, out of the <laughs> running, but, but somebody on his staff is uh, assistant coach of the year. And I'm going to start with uh, my microphone first. He's starting to tick me off here, if you guys can hear me. But, J.J., go right ahead. No, Lara's starting. Lara's got one. Scotty Montgomery. Scotty Montgomery is the guy. The production of Jonathan Taylor this season, and these were massive shoes to fill behind Tom Rathman, Mm -hmm. and Scotty Montgomery has brought a new element into that running back room and into this offense, and if you've watched Hard Knocks, you have seen Scotty pretty prominently featured of all the assistant coaches, because he is a dynamic personality. He is so insightful. He brings incredible perspective. Um, He has, I mean, a, a background as a player as a coach at the college level, at the professional level, and all of these things are a perfect complement to the group of guys that he is working with right now, in particular led by Jonathan Taylor, who has just been on another level this all year. Right. I want to I give this to Marcus Brady because I, I think a lot of people see oh, he's the offensive coordinator, but he doesn't call plays. What does he do? Marcus Brady's background is in RPOs. He majored in learning about RPOs, and he was in the CFL when they were yeah. doing it. Up in Canada, before it came down here to the college level, Marcus Brady was running RPOs. The Colts with Scott R- Milanovic. With Scott Milanovic. The Colts' RPO game this year has been so good. And it is a way for Jonathan Taylor to get those carries, for Carson Wentz to get some easy completions. Marcus Brady, for his impact on the RPO game with the Colts, is my pick. Okay. Mate, what do you got? Uh, I agree with those. I, I agree with those two selections. Um, you know, I, I would probably agree um, – you know, those those guys would be first and foremost for me just to go a different angle for the sake of doing it. I'll throw in James Rowe, uh, the cornerback's mm-hmm. coach mm-hmm. for the Colts. He's really gotten the best out of some guys that they've needed to step up with um, Xavier Rhodes being kind of banged up this year and in and out of the lineup a little bit. You know, he came in with a plan for Rock Yassine. Um, you know, the, the Temple connection there I think has rubbed off on, on Rock. And J.J. mentioned his productivity and his consistency kind of even out this year. Um, and then I think Isaiah Rogers has really ascended too, and has really taken a nice step in, in year number two. And um, you know, obviously, there's things that about his game that you can't teach with the speed and the quickness and his recovery ability. Uh, but he's been a nice option. I didn't think he would be playing as much, <clears throat> excuse me, as he is um, right now at the beginning of the season. But he's been a nice addition to that secondary. And I don't think you lose too uh, too much when he's out there, um, especially again with Xavier Rhodes being banged up. I mean. He had that interception off of Tom Brady. Go ahead and just add that to your trophy case, and you can tell people for the rest of your life where that football came from. So I think those two guys, Yassine and Isaiah Rogers, have taken a nice jump this year, and I think it's partly because of their assistant or the uh, position coach in James Rowe. One really quick thing on James Rowe, too, what's really interesting is he didn't play college football. Like His his path and journey to coaching in the NFL is incredibly unique. Great story. It's a very cool story. He and I sat down when he came into the building, and we did a whole interview about it. It's on Colts.com. But yeah, so he, I, I believe, played baseball. Uh, growing up, his brother played football, and he would start like watching football, and then kind of sat up in the booth and started picking things up. So the way he sees the game 
is very interesting. Excellent. We've, we're putting our feet up this week. This is the bye week, so we're going all over the world of NFL and your Colts. We are brought to you by our friends at WinBet, proud sportsbook partner of the Indianapolis Colts. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. Mate, voice of the Colts, Lara Overton, J.J. Stankovic, senior writer from Colts.com is there. And just very quickly, because I'm going to move on, any concern with the money badger? None, any any none, concern? None, saw, none. Hey, this kick. guy was perfect. It was a short one, too. I'm just telling you what I'm reading online. One kick. No concern? Uh, yeah, no, no, not not for not me. Yet. We're good with Money Badger. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Money, money, money yeah. Badger is also kicking indoors the next three weeks. Um, I know, you know, the, the one in Houston was also indoors. But- yep. Um, you're not you're not kicking in you yep. know crazy terrible conditions maybe until the end of the the season in Jacksonville depending on the weather there. Uh, excellent. Next next week on this show we're going to be breaking down Belichick. We're trying to get in between his ears, figure out what he's doing. The New well, England I, game is going to be huge. We Eight got, we got, and speaking we, of kickers, we got a guest coming up next. Speaking week. of kickers, Mr. Adam Venateri, the goat, who has a history. Hello. A history. Yeah, please do. A history with both teams, New England, obviously. He will be going into the Hall of Fame playing for two teams. He will be our guest next week so we can break that thing down. Jeffrey's mic is out, it so is. I guess that, you know, I'm glad you got the win bet read in. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we can take care of We've that. We've paid the bills. we paid the bills. The lights are staying on. Uh, you know, for our, our friends at WinBet, Trump Sportsbook <laughs> check, partner check, of the Indianapolis There it is. Bulls. There's Jeffrey's microphone again. There we go. I know this is kind of a kind of a. Oh, and now it's off again. It's I, very. This this is. I mean, this is about as low. This is what you your, get when people sound go on vacation on. Uh, on, on vacation during the bye week. Okay, guys, uh, I just got to end it up there. Uh, Mate, basically, JJ, not so much you, but this is for Lara and Mate. Okay. You guys have a basketball team in this state that you follow collegiately, mm-hmm. and then you have one that you don't. I'd like to bring in Don Fisher a little bit with Larry <laughs> Overton just to talk about the Purdue Boilermakers being the number one team in the nation right now, and that is a slap in the face. We know what Woodson's got going on down there, and again, this microphone, Casey, I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm about to break something, just so you know. I'm about to break something. But anyway, Mate. Yeah, you know, give me what would Fisher would think about having Purdue ranked number one in all of the land over your IU Hoosiers. Well, it's certainly not. Uh, it's certainly not something you look forward to, as uh, there's a lot of Purdue fans here in Central Indiana talking about the Boilermakers this afternoon. First time ever in program history, they take home the number one ranking in all college basketball. Jake Ivey, Zach Eady, Sasha Stavanovich with the three-point baskets from deep downtown, and Travion Williams coming off the bench. They got like a starting five over there on the sideline before they even start a basketball game with Indiana. But Mike Woodson is our head coach. Dane Fife is the assistant. Thad Mata sits over there on the on the sidelines and and text during the game and does whatever he does. I think it's a fantastic ball game anytime the Hoosiers and the Boilermakers get together. And I still like Indiana to knock off the number one rated <laughs> Boilermakers. Anytime Indiana, by the way, scores 80 points to the ball game, there's half-off appetizers at your local Applebee's, and it's free pizza at Buchetto's and Puccini, located at 46 of the Bypass in Bloomington. Hey, mate, real quick, here's your starting five. Casey Vallier, J.J. Stankovic, Lara Overton, Jeffrey Gorman, and Jim Ursay. Could you just give us a play call with the Colts owner as far as our, our starting five down in, uh, in Bloomington? Across the timeline, J.J. Stankovic slides it right side to Jeffrey Gorman, drives the baseline, kicks it outside left wing, Lara Overton. Now, Lara resets with 10 on the shot clock. She drives in the paint with the left hand, kicks it outside to Jim Ursay, wide open at the top of the key for three. He got it! That's Jim Ursay. Knocks down his 14th point of the ball game, and the Purdue Boilermakers have no answer for the owner of the Colts. It's now 55-50 as Indiana. Is your biggest advantage of the ball game? Timeout. Jim Ursa getting the crowd involved here at the Assembly Hall. Timeout on the court. We're back in a moment. This is Eddie out of University oh. Basketball from Learfield. That is the voice of the coach, Taylor, with the perfect, perfect impression of our friend Don and Fisher. He, and he had no preparation for that. He did not know you were oh, going to no. throw this curveball in there. That was totally off the cuff right by Matt there. Taylor. Golly, Mayte, that's so good. Guys, we can Have continue. you guys ever seen Ursay's three? I mean, it's <laughs> <laughs> I have Jim wearing a sport coat anytime he 
plays basketball too. You know what I mean? Oh, so totally. A buttoned-up sport coat yeah. from the corner. He got it. Yeah. <laughs> There's Jim Irsay in a tailored suit from the corner. <laughs> all right, mate. I appreciate the time. We did a little uh, bouncing all over the NFL world and the Colts world. We are going to break down some serious, seriously important games coming up in the next month, and it starts next week at Lucas Oil Stadium, 8 p.m. It's a national television audience. It's against the Patriots. It's Belichick coming back here. we got a lot to talk about next week, plus more breakdown. Guys, I appreciate it. Thanks for flying off the cuff with me like we usually do, sliding down the snow-covered hill on the seat of our pants, but we got through it, and we got the good info out there, and most importantly, Mayte, appreciate you taking your time out. I know you're at your uh, vacation home down in Cabo for a couple of days. <laughs> he and Joe Buck. Yeah, that's why I got I'm getting ready to play guitar with, uh, with Sammy Hagar, so i got to run. Mayte, appreciate the time. All right. Lara Overton, J.J. Stankovitz. Uh, I wanted to bring in Casey's Cause, a new segment on this, but I'm so ticked off at this microphone, and he had nothing to do with it, but... Uh but well, we're going to get to that in the upcoming weeks. I'm sorry for being in and out of your ears on this broadcast, but we're going to figure that out. I had fun. It's cold as hell outside now. It's officially yes. winter. We're going to have everything shut up tight as a drum as uh, next Saturday night comes around with the complete audience that we are expecting everybody to watch an incredible game. And the, the what's the word? The, 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 the magnitude? Yes, of that win yeah. that's coming up. And I'm putting it out there. I am absolutely putting out the signature You're win manifesting against it. this Patriots team. I'm putting it out there right <laughs> now. And this thing will be huge as far as setting eyes abuzz around the NFL that says, hey, we don't want to face the Colts. JJ, am I wrong? Uh, no, because if, I mean, look, you remember that clip from Hard Knocks where Frank Reich talked about bringing back a, lot, a load of respect on the plane from Buffalo. Yep. They're going to drive home with respect after this Patriots game. Those cars are going to be weighed down. It's going to be like you put a piano on top of a car and the, the back of it is just like dragging on the road. That's what it's going to look like if the Colts beat the Patriots. It's like another Looney Tunes reference. Can't wait. That's what I'm like that was actually, right? actually like, a Simpsons like, reference where oh, Homer's got okay. a snow chains <laughs> on his car driving a piano down the road. Um Hey, enjoy a couple of days off, yeah, guys. Hey, you, too. you, you too. earned it. Good to see everybody again. And don't forget, you can find out all sorts of information, the latest and the greatest, on Colts.com. Download the Colts app as well. Follow J.J. Stankovitz at J.J. Stankovitz on Twitter, at Lara Overton. I'm at Hey Gorman. Casey Vallier, we're going to get to you next week. But uh, in the meantime, you can't go on vacation because we've got microphone problems. Hey, one thing really quickly. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of us here are taking a couple of days off. Yes. And we are so grateful that, you know, ownership has, you mm-hmm. know, afforded us yes. some time off. And they've all really encouraged us to log off of the devices for a couple of days. Right. Kind of just to disconnect and really enjoy spending time. Uh, with friends, with family. So Colts Nation, try to do that as well. At least take a take a little bit of time for yourself when we don't have, you know, a game this weekend. Enjoy watching the rest of the games that are going on, but try to really mindfully remove yourself from being, you yes. know, connected on all those things because we'll be logging off for, mental, for a few days as well. Yeah, mental breaks are very, very important yeah. for everyone. No uh, matter your line of work. So absolutely. don't worry when absolutely. you don't hear from us in a few days. Yeah, that's we're, right. We're, we'll we be back Monday. T- we will be back Monday. Absolutely. But don't, hey, most importantly, thank you. And I'm talking about you, the listener, right now. Thank you. We have them all over the world, guys, in Guam, in France, in Mexico, from Connecticut to California. We have listeners out there. And I want they to say thank DVOA. you. They come for the DVOA. Yeah, they do. They come for the DVOA stacks. And I'm just saying, or stats rather, I should end with a stank bomb on this thing because we're going to put that thing to bed. We'll bring it back soon but i want to thank everybody thank you guys for listening like this we hear from you on social media we love hearing the feedback love hearing that you guys are enjoying the show getting better and better each week uh jj and lara are i'm kind of digressing a little bit but (laughs) thank you they 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 uh they carry my uh my water for me so for jj stankovitz for matt taylor a big thank you and of course of course miss lara overton it's it's high profile (laughs) there we go there's the stank bomb folks we'll talk to you next week